Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And we ended in Glendale today with the conclusion of the 2022 Colts season. Our final Blue Monday is live at Buffalo Wild Wings today in Glendale off of 62nd Street. This is an absolutely awesome area. You know, we were just kind of reminiscing about the old school Glendale Mall back in the 80s around here, kind of being like a Galleria, if you remember, from, you know, the Valley Girl era when malls were budding in the late 70s, early to mid 80s right there and Glendale Mall was just like it but man now this place looks absolutely spectacular this Buffalo Wild Wings is right here in the heart of this particular area and we are looking for you today because we sure as hell have a lot to talk about I don't even know where to get to honestly have no idea where to get to so we will start with the debacle from yesterday uh, I'm assuming why there's no highlights is because of the way that it ended now you can look at it twofold I'm fine with the way that it ended considering what the Colts need to do as far as draft positioning is concerned. But you have to be you have to be concerned considering how this thing went when Jeff Saturday took over on an interim basis, how this season has gone as not even arguably the most embarrassing season ever. I don't care what anybody says. You can give me these one-win seasons back in the late 80s and early 90s or back when they first got here. Nobody cared about it like this back then. And nobody lofted all these expectations out there. Nobody said for the first time since 2014, this is going to be your AFC South division champion. None of that. You were just glad you had a football team. You were just glad that the Colts got out of Dodge in the middle of the night back in 1984, trucked it over here, and got football started for you. You didn't know how to react. You didn't know how to respond. Half the time you go to those games back in the day when they started at noon, if you remember, you would get there about five till. No tailgating going on. You had no idea what winning was about. So if it were a bad season, it was just among the myriad of bad seasons this team had. But there was never any, hey, this is what this team is going to do right now. You weren't told that. You weren't told that by them. 
And you have, and this has been the most embarrassing in the Indianapolis Colts era of all time. The most embarrassing. And you know what? Unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at that, doesn't matter. Jeff Saturday's always been a really good dude. That didn't make him a really good coach. That doesn't mean he should maintain as the next head coach. He said earlier today in that closing press conference that he does want to be the head coach. He also mentioned that, and this is me, not him saying that, sweeping changes would occur because he would want to do it his way. Okay. Sweeping changes should occur, but what is his way? I don't know if I have anything as far as what they have accomplished since he's taken over on an interim basis where I would suggest to you that I would love to see this team make sweeping changes and point in the direction of the Jeff Saturday way because that hadn't worked. It's looked awful. It's been embarrassing. There's no way in the world you can sell that to people around here. You just can't. And now everybody seems to be kind of on the same page. Everybody seemingly is looking at this as equally embarrassing as do I or others that cover this team. And this is going to be a tough sell. And it should be a tough sell. So you can't just lollygag and say, well, I believe in this guy, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. Again, as I mentioned, if you were going to do that, you should have done that in the offseason. And people argue about me with that all the time. Well, you know, that's really going to make it tough. No, no, no. We'll take that offseason of debate and then a fresh start other than going with this team. And by the way, any sweeping changes, I don't know how in the world you keep the general manager. You get six years of this, and now you want to make some changes, and the general manager is going to hang around? The only logical thing you can do is start new. That's it. And logically speaking, that's the fit. Because unless, <laughs> I, we argued about this yesterday on the set of the Colts pregame huddle. And, and I get where they're coming from. And I'm certainly not going to make fun of anybody because I love those guys. And I love working with those guys. And certainly two of which, both Joe Wrights and Bill Brooks, uh, both of which played. Um, but I got kind of the, you can't force it. Well, you can't force it. You got to go with what the board dictates. Now, you know what? You can't force it. You have to get your ass out there and go up and get the pick that is going to secure you one of the two described elite level quarterbacks. That's what you have to do. Yeah, you do have to force it. You do have to force it. The last thing you want to do is, well, we're, we, um, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to hear. I don't want to have it described to me. The cliche and one that I absolutely hate, we're going to do what the board dictates. Uh, no, you're not. You're going to do what the betterment of your team dictates. That's what you're going to do. And if you don't do it that way, you're not doing it right. And it wouldn't surprise me because I always have to hear about what the board is going to dictate. I don't give a damn what the board dictates. I give a damn about this team getting better and starting new. So you go out there and with these assets we talk about all the time, 
And if it's existing players, which I'm assuming it's going to have to be, you go out there and you put something together and you find your quarterback of the future. And to me right now, unless my mind is changed by the time the combine rolls around or whatever, unless my mind is changed, you've got two of them. You've got two of them. Consider who you are right now. You're a team that could not beat a team that did not want to win. The owner didn't want to win. You think Cal McNair wanted to win that game? Did you see that video I put up on my, my Twitter account yesterday? He was walking off the field after that game saying, wait, what? Wait a minute, we just won? What did we just do? How do we just screw ourselves royally here by winning? How do we do that? You couldn't beat that team. Fourth and 12, fourth and 20, two-point conversion. You could not beat that. You got one win within the crap water worst division in the NFL. One win. Don't give me what the board dictates. Go out. Go out and get what you need. Now listen, they may like somebody else. They may like somebody else that I don't. They may not vision, uh, envision, I should say, you know, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud as I do. I felt really good after watching C.J. Stroud, even in that loss to Georgia, about the way he played quarterback against Georgia. So that would be with what I would go with right now would be it. You know, kind of what you want to hear today, too, from Jeff Saturday is, man, this whole thing is a mess. And this is what we can't be like. You know, none of this taking over. It's funny. In the last 24 hours, you just, you hear excuses, all right? There's really not a great deal of accountability. You just hear excuses. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I need one like you would not believe. Thank you. I'll put that right here so everybody can see the ice cold Bud Light. But you hear excuses. I mean, you just, you got to go out. When you have a season like this, you absolutely have to own it. You got to own it in a big way. It's like yesterday, IU losing at home to Northwestern. And Mike Woodson was asked, you know, about the defense. And the first thing he brought up was the fact that they don't have Xavier Johnson and don't have Race Thompson. Well, their defense, honestly, wasn't that great prior to. But here's the other aspect. What is that telling the dudes presently on your team that stinks at defense? Oh, well, we're not really going to get that much better because these guys are injured? You can't say that. You can't say that if it's true. Because everybody like me, whether it's somebody that really knows what they're talking about or somebody that doesn't, or if it's a casual, or if it's a hardcore fan, they're all going to point the finger and say, oh, well, look, you're just making all these excuses. That's exactly how it sounds. Exactly how it sounds. This Colts team needs new guidance. This Colts team needs new guidance and guidance that you can trust. You and Jim Ursay, because with that new guidance, Jim Ursay needs to go ahead and take that step back, play some music, get Kenny Arnoff on the drums again, get all our guys in that band, which I absolutely love because you know me, I love music, get the band together, do your music in Pop Culture Museum. I think all that is fantastic. Be a lead voice in ownership in the NFL. Do all that, but get somebody that is hardcore 
and somebody you believe in to where you feel now that this thing is in the right direction and you're not going to have to puppet somebody. You don't want to have to do that anymore. You don't want to have to have the Muppet show going on around here anymore. Well, you got this general manager, and he's not really down with his interim hire, so I'm going to swoop in. I'm going to make it anyway. I mean, no, no, no. That's why that person, again, is Jim Harbaugh. That person to me, that person to me, and again, we'll get into a little bit later on whether or not you're buying it. You hear all these rumors around here. You, You were told last week that unless something drastically changes, he was going back to Michigan. We've seen things drastically change before. I'm just telling you, that's the type of personality that's necessary. You come in, you believe in this guy shaping your future. I know he can be a little bit off the wall, but to me, that is the personality, and really, to this point, the lone personality to me that makes any sense whatsoever. And again, again, you're going to have to go out and make it happen. We'll let the board, we're going to let the board speak to us. I'm so sick of hearing that. I don't want to care. Who cares what the board has to say? You know what? Your roster says that your quarterback position sucks really bad, and it has for a long time. I would believe more into what your roster is telling you about the most important position in sports than I would what the board is dictating to you. Go out and get it. Make these people that are non-believers right now believe that this is what you want for the future. I know, I know, it's easier said than done. I know, I make it sound so easy right here. I'm just telling you the tact that is necessary. This soft core approach no longer works. I'm not telling, I'm not saying, well, you got to yell at players. and all. I'm not talking about that whatsoever. I'm just go, saying go out and get what you need to be better. And put your trust in somebody leading this team in the future that can identify that. Put your trust in somebody that's going to lead the future in the future of the NFL. Not this, we're going to play this like it's 1983 crap. That has to stop. This all has to stop. All you have to do is look at Saturday night. Can you believe Can you believe the team that is representing the AFC South in the postseason? Now, granted, I say this, and they'll probably beat the Chargers coming up in the wild card this weekend, right? Because I think it's 50-50 right now. But look at the team. Did you watch those teams on Saturday? Did you watch Tennessee and Jacksonville play? And if you're a Colts fan, you could not for a moment get away from, are you kidding me? This is what it would take? Are you kidding me? My favorite team beat one of these teams within their own division, tied and lost, lost and lost, lost and win, one win. And then have people get the audacity of somebody saying, well, I think we're really close. We're really close to what? What are you close to? (laughs) This drives me nuts. This is the time to break free. This is the time, if you're Jim Ursay, to go out, and if you're going to put everything in to getting this thing back to the golden era, everything into it, now is the time. 
Don't let anybody hold you back. Got to trade some active players, trade some active players. I guess if Chris Ballard's still around here and you got to pry selections from his hands, then get to prying. But I get where you're coming from on this. I got so many people saying, hey, I can't take this anymore. I'm over this. I can't take it. And again, I don't want to hear any part of what was the woeful past back when this team first got here, you know, through the 90s or whatever. There were zero expectations. You were just glad you could go to the local Lazarus or LS Airs back in the day, and in the sporting goods department, you would find an Indianapolis Colts jersey. You were just glad they made those. You didn't really care. You had no idea what winning meant. But during one particular era, you found what winning didn't mean. And when you found that and you recognized that, surely you understand in the present how stinking far they are away from any of that. And within the AFC South, don't get me wrong, you can have a bounce back season. I mean, you can have a bounce back season. You can be Haley's Comet and fly through here. But we're talking about sustaining. Sustaining like the Colts have sustained since 2014 and not winning an AFC South Division title when the others have all won two. That type of sustaining. Believe me, I feel confident in speaking for you right here. That's what you want, and there is no doubt that is what you need. And what you don't need is a reboot of this. How can you even fathom the thought? And really, if, if you're Jim Irsay and you preach all the time, you know, how much you want to win and how much this matters to you, how can you not just get up and dust yourself off from the stench that was the most embarrassing season of your time here in Indy and say, all right, we've got a clean house on this. How do you not do that? And then make it happen. Then make it happen. Yeah, yesterday was ridiculous. <laughs> Houston, Houston getting the win. Cal McNair, I don't know if he was more angry that he was just ready for a new coach after one year of Lovey Smith. Or, well, you went out and won this game? What are you doing here? That was altogether really silly. And then the Colts losing to a team that had a great deal. You saw it. You saw it in the third quarter especially. It didn't look like the, the, the Texans wanted any part of it. Davis Mills was throwing it all over the place. And then the Colts. And you know what's scary about yesterday? That's the real Colts. That's your Colts right now. That's it. That is it. I feel quite certain that that's not the Houston team that we saw in the fourth quarter. Don't you? That's not them. But what we saw is most definitely this Colts team. That's who they are. You can make a serious argument right here, right now, that this is the worst team in the NFL. How do you not clean that all up? How do you not say, yeah, we got something else we have to do here? And then go out and get somebody that you feel absolutely can take over and get the job done. 
And at the same time, speaking from an owner standpoint here, if you're Jim Irsay, doing all this stuff that matters a great deal, and it matters to so many, but getting somebody in here you trust to execute a plan for both short and long-term success so you can step away, you can step back and not describe, have people describe you as meddling, as interfering, as overriding, and turning this into a clown show that it has been. It is. The only thing this clown show has lacked is any sideline back and forth, any animosity, player on player on the sideline. And then when I think about that for a moment, you go, oh, well, good, you know, these guys. But then you think about it from a terms of, well, they probably just don't give a crap and they want to get the hell out of Dodge. That's why they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They may not care because they're losing and because they're embarrassing. They just want to get up and get out of here. The heck with this. That's how you have to look at it. Everybody always says how important this season or the next is. You have decisions to make right now that will absolutely have impact on the short and the long here, and it depends on whether or not, whether or not, I want to say satisfied because you know he's not satisfied, but if what you have seen is enough, and I think with most people out there, what, what you have seen should be. Of course, we'll talk about that. Your calls inside the lounge via YouTube Live, 239. 1070, if you guys want to jump on board, I have plenty of time for you. You know, it's funny. Normally in a season like this with a game like that, you just think about, you know, you, you, you're angry or you want to be angry. I, I don't really get into being angry, uh, but a stern presence in the description of this organization right now is necessary. Not giggling and joking and, oh, this is so funny. Nothing's funny about this. Nothing's funny about this embarrassment. Oh, wait a minute. You know, we're not the owner. We're not the one spending the money. Yeah, you are the one spending the money. And you're right. You don't have ownership money. And that's your disposable income that's going out the window right now to go watch this clown show. So make no mistake about it. You got to voice your opinion. You got to get out there, and, and not in a, in a jackass way, but you got to get enough is enough on this. Like, I saw way too many people yesterday just kind of laughing about it. Oh, this is funny. That is the past right there. That's what people did back in the day. People laughed about it, people joked about it. Bob and Tom did show after show and joked about it. Duke Tomato came on and week after week wrote a different song about it. That with this season is who you have become. And you don't want that. You don't want that because that has a potential to hang around much longer than a year or two or a year in a couple of weeks if you really want to get down to it from last year. That has the potential of becoming who you are. And you don't want it. 
Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. You can check it out. We'll get in there in a second and log on. Plenty to talk about regarding the Colts. Jeff Saturday met with the media a little bit earlier today. I haven't seen yet, unless I missed it. I just sat down here. But I have not seen when Chris Ballard is going to meet with the media. Uh, we got um, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, coming up a little bit later on. I'll again ask him, pepper him with questions about Harbaugh, I'm sure, and Ballard moving forward. We'll talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour. Our friend Jay Query is coming up in the 4 o'clock hour as well. I, I did mention in this uh, opening remark portion of the show, IU yesterday, yeah, Mike Woodson talking about how you're missing these two players and that being the reason why your defense is so bad. All you did is justify to everybody on that team, oh, okay, well, it's just not me. It's just not my effort. You know what it is? It's you and your effort. That's what it is. That's what it is. And I know what Trace said. I know Trace Jackson Davis said after the game yesterday, you know, this is what happens when you don't do what your coach says. Well, I mean, leaving three-point shooters wide open, I mean, really any college-level shooter for that matter, to find a groove on the road, that's what you do. That's what you do. You let a team get going and get confident, shoot, straight on look, no defense threes that anybody at that level should be able to make. And then you have two players that can play and others that simply cannot right now. But you cannot come out and say that, well, our defense is because there's no Xavier Johnson and because there's no Race Thompson. Don't get me wrong. I know that you miss those guys. Don't get me wrong about that at all. But all you have done is give a team that seemingly does embrace excuses. You have just given them a huge defensive excuse. Oh, well, good. Well, I'm glad I can't help out. <laughs> I'm glad I'm playing as hard as I can. No, you're not. Look what Northwestern did to you yesterday. Oh, I know. They lost by one, and Trey Galloway hit a half-court shot and whatever. But look what they did. That is not the message. Not the message you want to deliver. Hopefully, that is the message that we heard. Hopefully, that's not the message that's being delivered with that team in that locker room. Because all that's going to do is spur more of what you saw yesterday. And IU fans were beside themselves. I don't blame you. Purdue on the road in Philadelphia getting a win over Penn State yesterday. And a shout-out to the Pacers because without the Pacers right now, Purdue also, but certainly without the Pacers, professionally speaking, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't know how good you guys are feeling. Yesterday, a win over the Hornets. What was it, 29-9? and What do you guys call him? My guy? For my guy. I'm proud that he is my guy. I cannot fit into that, Zachary. Give me that. What is this? Is this for me? You want me to put this on during the show? Hey, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Uh, promotions dude, guru, Zach, wants me to put this. What is this, like a wrestling singlet right here or something? What am I putting on? Want me to put this on, Brittany? What do you think? How do you think that would look on me right there? Look at that. Look at the, ooh, look at the back on that. You know how... A little backless action for me right there. That's incredibly sexy, no doubt about it. No, but the Pacers and my guy, Miles Turner, another big day, another big late afternoon. Oh, I'm okay right now. Thank you, though. Another big early evening. And this team continues to make, make us all wonder what we were thinking. Well, part of it is what we were told. And nothing against it, because I'm, I'm, if I'm Rick Carlisle, I'm going to try to 
to cushion the blow of what I believe to be a lot of losing too. Always over-deliver. Never under-deliver, Colts. Always over-deliver. The Pacers are over-delivering by a long shot right now. They're legit. I know, I saw the article about Miles Turner over the weekend. I think it was from Mark Stein that suggested that he has turned down a couple of offers, longer-term offers to stay here. It seems like that that is probably, I don't know, because I am not an agent. I don't know because I can barely add. But it sounds like the art of negotiation to me. And if I'm Miles, why not? Why not? You have made yourself for a team that everybody's in love with right now, an indispensable piece. Right? Oh, I thought... I thought your boy wanted to stay here. Didn't he say that? Sure he wants to stay here. I don't blame him whatsoever. I don't blame him whatsoever for playing it or his agent for playing it. But what he has done, he has made himself a vital portion of this team, not just in the now, but for the future too. Yeah, good luck going back out and finding somebody like this right now. I just love it though. The best part about it is, is for me to stick it to everybody out there, and that's great. I need to have, like, everybody's name written down that has constantly sent me tweets, mean-spirited tweets, and, you know, and I'd love to just go back and get back, what, how about this? What's his name? Uh, Dustin Numbnuts from Franklin Central, right? What's that guy's name? Dustin, at least he puts a name to it. I will give Dustin Numbnuts something. At least Dustin Numbnuts puts his name to it. Half these guys out there are anonymous. Oh, wait a minute. I'm anonymous. (laughs) But I love sticking it to you. It feels really good. This makes me feel good. A little payback's good. Especially in terms of what this Colts team has looked like, considering what the Pacers are playing like right now. Wednesday, Pacers on the road in New York. And, yeah, a little bit of momentum there. A little bit of motivation courtesy of Wally Zerbiak. Even if he did apologize. It's coming up on Wednesday. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. It is my man James back in the studio. We're going to line up some calls. I'm going to take those calls. We're going to talk about the direction of the Colts. We don't even necessarily have to rehash what has been the most embarrassing season in the history of the Colts here, uh, but we can talk about the future and what is necessary in this future. 239-1070, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. If you're in the lounge today, this is the, and I, I don't know, Greg will have to tell me tomorrow, Greg Rakestraw left this T-shirt on my desk, and I mentioned this on Friday's show. It's like an old-school Seattle Supersonics logo, but in terms of Indianapolis and the skyline, it is awesome. So thank you, Greg, for that. I'm rocking that inside the lounge via YouTube Live because I am all about Indianapolis. The stream, the app, HD Radio, as we are live in Glendale, our final Blue Monday of the season. Buffalo Wild Wings, looking for you. I do have stuff to give away. You can sign up for that. Ice cold Bud Light on hand as well. Great food on what is National Championship Monday night. Georgia and TCU coming up later on tonight. We'll even dive into that coming up in a bit. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Listen, I have a very clear vision of how I can turn this football team around. And I have, a, I have a plan of attack that I understand this is what I believe has to happen for us to turn a corner. And so um, I, I'm not one that, that uh, wavers. I'm not one that gets disjointed you know, very, very quickly. I, I'm, I'm pretty steadfast. And I think I've shown that in the way that we're going we're gonna to operate. There are going to be principles of this team I can just generally like – you know, from a practice perspective, what does this thing look like? From a schedule perspective, what does it look like? From, you know, an organization, how, what does the alignment look like from training, equipment, right, practice, all those different things. Uh- so Jeff Saturday from a little bit earlier today. What about what the talent looked like? I'll be honest with you, I don't give a damn about the practice schedule or any crap like that. Uh, what's the talent look like? Why is, you know, all this talent that's supposed to be accumulated here not worked? If Jeff Saturday is a part of this thing organizationally to be a part of it, I can't say that I'd be unhappy with that. But for God's sake, just go out and get Jim Harbaugh and call it a day. Is this rocket science? I don't know. Am I doing rocket science? Because I'm not smart enough to do rocket science. So tell me if this is rocket science, and then I will excuse myself. Just go out and give Jim Harbaugh a lot of money and say, come back here and get this team back to the glory days. Put this team on the fast track like he did back in the year 1995 for a fleeting moment. At the very least, give him Haley's Comet like you did back then under center. Doesn't seem like it's rocket science to me. Go out and get him. Go out and get him. But to do this thing again, can you imagine if this is rebooted this offseason? You thought last offseason was bad. But really, last offseason, last offseason, you have a convenient scapegoat. It was Carson Wentz. Now this offense sucked because of Carson Wentz. You blew those final two weeks because of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz's fault this. Defense sucked. Carson Wentz. The up. The heater in the bus was out. Carson Wentz. Refrigerator's not cooling the way that it should. Carson Wentz. There's no convenient excuse this year. The blame is going to go fully on the owner. There's no convenient excuse. There's no, this guy was not a sufficient leader. This is why this was a mess at the end. No, this is on you. So fix it. This is not a reboot thing. This has not been an enjoyable time. This has not been an enjoyable six years with Chris Ballard. It sure as hell was not an enjoyable 2022. Oftentimes, and I'm chief among them, I love going back. I love back in the day stuff. But you've probably noticed, right, when I go back in the day, like I go back in the day with stuff that's fun. I don't go back in the day when I wrecked my car and almost killed myself and the guy riding with me, you know what I mean? I don't go back. Hey, that was really glorious back in February of 1986. Now, I embrace stuff back in the day that was awesome. And that's okay if you're Jim Mercer, embrace that. But you got to do something about it right now. And this reboot effect with Saturday as coach and Ballard as general manager, don't do it.
Again, if you want to put Jeff somewhere evaluating, consulting, helping build, sure, because you trust his voice, okay, I understand that. But if you trust his voice, how much can you trust Chris Ballard's? How much have you trusted it recently? Ah, you got to go out. You got to go out. Actually, I don't even know if I need to say it. You know what you need to do. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I'm going to wave at you folks because it's good to see you. Now, we're live, by the way, at Buffalo Wild Wings. We're off of 62nd Street in Glendale. What a great location. Got some friends of the show already here, the ice-cold Bud Light in which I'm drinking. If you guys are watching right now via YouTube Live in the lounge, you know that very well. Query top of the hour, Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour. Let's do some calls at 239-1070. Corey has been on hold. Corey, you want to lead us today? What do you think? Yes, sir. So... I love the show. I know you hear it all the time, but it's the truth. Um, so just a quick comment and then a qu- follow-up question. So um, comment is, I feel like the Colts are victims of their own success at the quarterback position. Obviously, you know, the Manning error, you know, nothing needs to be said there. Luck comes in. If he would have kept on playing, no-brainer, probably first time up, you know, Hall of Fame type of guy. Um, so the question is, um, if we are able to uh, finagle the number one overall pick, which one of the quarterbacks available do you think is most ready to take the field and make a difference? Because as we've all seen in years past, uh, a quarterback in the first round is never a surefire bet. And uh, we'll just be interested to hear your take hey, on No, 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 no. Hey, Corey, thank you for the call. That doesn't matter. All right, what is the best? Identify what is the best in this draft and go get it. Don't worry about whether or not C.J. Stroud comes from a place where, historically speaking, quarterbacks haven't been great. Don't worry about Bryce Young being too small. If those are the best quarterbacks available and can play at a high level in the NFL, then by God, go out and get one of them. I know easier said than done. But we hear that all the time. Go out and do it. Don't settle. Well, you know, we can get this guy in the third round on that. Well, maybe he'll turn into something. But in this case, go out and get it. Go out and get one of the two best quarterbacks. Hey, maybe I'll change the tune. And I know people are saying, well, you never mentioned Will Levis. Because the times I've watched Will Levis, he hadn't looked any good is why I haven't mentioned Will Levis. And I've said that that's probably completely unfair for me. But that is just what I've seen. Now, if it turns out that all of a sudden he's got this incredible athletic ability and whatever, then maybe we revisit it. But I'm just talking about where I am sitting here right now. Go out and get it. Hey, if you whiff on it, you whiff on it. But I don't want to hear a damn thing about Derek Carr or any of this other crap. All right, this is a season in 2023 coming off an absolute disaster. Redo it. Get yourself a do-over. And don't half-ass the do-over. Well, this guy wasn't available, so we drafted the best player on the board. The board spoke to us. Yep, no, your season should have spoken to you. Did your season speak to you? What did your season have to say to you? 
I wouldn't be listening to the board right now. I'd be listening to your season. Be listening to what your team looked like this season. Be listening to your division. I'm assuming that both Young and Stroud are not at the top of this list just by virtue of somebody saying, hey, just go ahead and throw them up there. And I loved what I saw in C.J. Stroud. I don't care. Much like I mentioned it was unfair my assessment of Levis from a couple of games, probably equally as unfair of one game in particular that I lean on all the time in that semifinal against Georgia. But it was high-level talent, and he, to me, was a high-level quarterback. Enough said. So, yeah, this is you got to go for it. That is your position right now. And you got to go for it in more ways than one. You got to go for it at the quarterback position. I don't want to hear anything else. And you got to go for it from a standpoint of look at what you were, look at what you have been, and you got to recreate, you got to remold. That is your target this offseason. And getting back to luck, there is no doubt Andrew Luck mammothly screwed everybody. He did. Well, you know, he just cared about I'm glad he cared about his body. He could have cared about his body in March, and that wouldn't have screwed everybody. But he decided to care about his body when he should have been caring more about those around him because there's no doubt he massively screwed everybody. But we're too far down the path now. And I think we have seen with a season like this, it just needs a complete reboot. Am I wrong? Anybody out there believe I'm wrong? Is Chris still hanging in? I know I yip-yapped a lot right there. Chris, 239-1070, if you're still there, take me to a break. What do you got? Well, I, I totally agree with everything you said about the whole reboot. Front office needs white. The defense, however, the defense can stay. I keep the defense that offense needs redone, completely redone. I'm not really up hey. for talking too much about the Colts right now, but uh, I want to talk about the red-hot Indiana Pacers and where are all the Miles Turner haters today after that block? Yes. Where are they? You know what? They're quiet. They're, They're embarrassed They're because they know. Hey, Chris, Chris, you and I are winners, brother. We won. We are winners. We're the big winners, right, because yes, of this. They know that, and they shut the hell up. It's a beautiful day. Damn right. Love you, JMV. Have a great day. I'm back at you, Chris. Thank you. We're winners. It's exactly what we are, winners. I've hung with it for five years. We are winners. I'm not sold on that defense either, man. Let me tell you. That defense was out there yesterday. <laughs> what? Fourth and 12, first down. Fourth and 20. That defense was out there running around, too. I'm not, I'm not as completely sold on the greatness of that defense as is everybody else. I think that is a common theme, though. You just kind of embrace something because it's really the only embraceable thing. That's like me. I, I tweeted yesterday, you absolutely have to bring back Chase McLaughlin because literally that has been one of, if not the only, bright spot in this team this year. I know, Grover Stewart. Chase McLaughlin, that, Chase McLaughlin is the guy that has to come back. So I get a chance to talk about the kicker. Quick break. Welcome back to in Glendale, Buffalo, Wild Wings, Blue Monday, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. O'Reilly Cox is set up to the left side. Michael Pittman Jr. over that way as well as they give off to Zach Moss. Jump cuts his way outside. Fighting forward at the five. Still going down around the three. He's in there. Touchdown. Zach Moss, a 15-yard score. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. And it's now 17-13. to Zach Moss goes over 100 yesterday in the Colts' loss at home to the Texans in that season finale. And with that win, the Texans screw themselves. Actually, uh, Lovey Smith maybe screwed the team that fired him um, a couple of hours later in the day yesterday. But it was the Texans with the win. 239-1070 is the number. Let's go Dennis up next. Hello, Dennis. JMV, thank you for taking my call. I hope Chris is still listening to the show because I am enacting the first annual We Were Right About Miles Club meeting right now. JMV, yes, I, yes, I'm telling you, man, it, it, we we we've been we've been trying to tell people for years now the value of this young yes. man. And, and, and let me tell you what I've been dealing with today. I've been on Facebook. And the post for the winning of the game and his post-game comments, you actually have people on here saying things like, it took him eight years to finally play like this. Because these, these horses' asses want him to fail. And it's more yeah. than just basketball. It is more than just – they just don't like the dude. These people want him to – the guy's 26 years old. All right? And no, these people – these people you can't recognize because they're the dumbassest of the dumbest assistists. I'll just make yeah, up they, words they, right they, here. That's exactly I, what they are. I, they've been saying also <laughs> the only reason he's playing like this is because it's a contract year. Are you serious? Mm. And then they're saying the reason why he turned down the contract extension over this weekend is because he's selfish. You cannot make this silly stuff Oh, you up. can't. You know, you know what now, that is? That that's the sound of losers. That's the sound yeah. of that's the loser mentality. They know they've been beaten. They know they have been wrong. They know they've been inaccurate. They know people like us have won, and that's now, what response you get from losers. Exactly. That's now, it. I'm I'm going to throw him a quick bone by by giving a shout out to our coach Rick Carlisle. This man knows X's and O's. He's the one who set up Detroit for their championship. He went to Dallas, gave them a game plan. They stayed with that process, beat those boys in Miami. He's back here now. He's bringing that coaching expertise to the Pacers. And look how he is using Miles Turner. He has been wanting this for years. And now that he has got the opportunity, he has been showing all of us exactly what he is worth and rick keep it up jmv thank you for taking my call you call anytime thank you very much yeah you just got to disregard a lot of that crap and know what you know right now he is a vital portion to this team and this team right now that you all have a tremendous sports arousal about and with good reason
He is one of the chief reasons as to why. I've got to give a shout-out birthday-wise to Brandon. Happy birthday to Brandon. Brandon is in here right now, Buffalo Wild Wings on 62nd Street. Glendale. Brandon, happy birthday to you. I'm going to give a shout-out coming up to Colton Matthew Helton. Coming up in just, you will not want to miss this because we want to make sure we gather together and give a little bit of love for Colton. We'll do that coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. Your call's at 239-1070 and Jay Query next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 58 seconds to go. Here's the game. It's 4th and 20 for the Texans at the Colts' 28-yard line. Empty set for Mills. Five wide. Three go right. Flushed out of the pocket right side. Now being forced back in. Throws it downfield to the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown. And that is Jordan Akins. And the Colts had a clear interception at the goal line. It was Rodney Thomas who mistimed his jump. And the ball went right through his hands into Aikens' possession, into the end zone for a score. Hey, welcome back. We're live at Buffalo Wild Wings. We are in Glendale today off of 62nd Street. Blue Monday right there. Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi on the call of another in a long line of embarrassments yesterday to close out the season. To close it out of that fashion, move up a pick. That feels good. But the season in which you won one within the putrid AFC South is beyond embarrassing. Just to go along with all the other embarrassments that this season has brought. All right, get here today. You got great food, Buffalo Wild Wings, Glendale, and ice cold Bud Light for you. Love to have you join us. Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. I did want to say this, though. Three-year-old Colton Matthew Helton, Um, named after the Colts, by the way, has heart surgery coming up tomorrow. Family appreciates all your prayers and good thoughts. Um, Colton, we're thinking about Colton. We'll raise a glass to Colton right there. Always thinking about Matt's always out here hanging out with us. It's awesome. Uh, The support that he gives and the support that we will give for Colton Matthew Helton right back. Coming up tomorrow, buddy. We are right here for you. Uh, meantime, Chris Ballard and his press conference, that's coming up tomorrow. I think I just saw that actually within the last hour. Um, saw that. That's coming up tomorrow morning at 1030. Chris Ballard will address the media again tomorrow morning at 1030 a.m. We'll get to that. Pacers win yesterday. IU, as I mentioned, in the words of Mike Woodson that just says, hey, all right, so you don't have these two players, so clearly uh, you guys are okay with playing this horrible defense, which this is ridiculous. We'll dive back into that. Purdue a winner at Penn State, actually in Philadelphia yesterday as well. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is Jake Query for the morning show. Kevin and Query, weekday mornings here on The Fan, again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, what do you think? I have said, enough is enough. Go out and do what is necessary to get back what you want in your golden era, if you're Jim Ursay. 
So I maintain if you want to keep Jeff Saturday around in some capacity, do it. Just not as head coach. I maintain that you go someplace else for your talent evaluation, meaning after six years, enough is enough for Chris Ballard. And I maintain that if everybody talks about how you want and will go as far as it takes to get a winner, go out and get Jim Harbaugh and bring Jim Harbaugh here. All right? I know it's easier said than done, but we'll start right there and let you play off of that. What say you? First off, John, thanks for having me on. Secondly, absolutely best wishes to Colton uh, for his family. You know, I know that that's a stressful time. I always yes. try to remind myself before family or loved ones go in for a procedure like that, that the people that are doing that heart procedure tonight will be at dinner with their family or going to a movie or whatever else, because to them, they do this all the time. And this is something that if they're in that position to perform that on Colton, that means they're the best at what they do. And so therefore everything's on his side and we certainly hope for the best. And, um, you know, I know what that all is like. So best wishes to him. Um, as for the Colts, let me begin with this. I, I saw today that apparently in the locker room, several players started talking up Jeff Saturday and making their case for him and talking about how he's a great leader and he should be given another chance. And I love Jeff Saturday. I mean, I like him as a guy. I like him as an individual and, and first class human being, no doubt about it. And I, you know, maybe he knows, he certainly knows football better than I, but uh, if I'm looking at it from the outside, which I am, I'm looking at it and going, I think it's great that the locker room wants Jeff Saturday around, but why didn't they show that in the last eight weeks? Because if he's a great leader, they didn't do a very good job of displaying that because uh, the last couple of weeks in particular, they look totally checked out. And maybe somebody should have reminded them that that's what they were playing for. You know, maybe somebody should have reminded the Colts that talking about it's one thing, but, but get out there and do it. Right, because they certainly didn't. Other than the Vegas game, you know, I mean, they in the second half of games they looked completely lifeless. Um, I think Ursay's at, at an interesting crossroads here because I think they're probably a yin and a yang pulling at him. Part of it is what he knows is the best to help his franchise win, which is to go out and get his guy, whether it be Harbaugh or I mean, I don't personally believe believe a Sean Payton would would come here, but you know, if that's what he wants. Pony up the money, he's got it, and go out and get his guy and show that, that put his money where his mouth is. Otherwise, I think it's no coincidence, as I've told you before, just my opinion, but I think it's no coincidence that typically, since Jim Irsay has really corralled control back of his franchise, that most of the guys in position are guys that are getting their first opportunity in the NFL via Indianapolis because – that means that Jim Irsay has influence and has say. And you bring in a Sean Payton or a Harbaugh, and the things like the owner all of a sudden making quarterbacking changes aren't going to last very long because those guys will say, I don't need this. So I think that's the yin and the yang here. Does he want to do what's best to help his franchise win, or does he want to do what's best to help him stick around? and that, or, or not stick around, but stay involved. That's going to be interesting to me. He's the owner. He's always going to be involved, but you know what I mean by that. Yeah, so tomorrow, and I mentioned Jay Query joins us. Chris Ballard's got his 10.30 a.m. 
press conference going, media conference, I should say. It's not going to be live streamed. And I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Does that mean anything? And I, I think I mentioned to you last week it was, right? I was at Buffalo Wild Wings in Columbus. And, you know, compared to what Jim Mersey had said a couple of weeks prior in that ESPN interview where he had solidified Chris's return, um, last week I, I wasn't so sure. Do we, do we read anything into that coming up tomorrow at 10.30 a.m., or is it nothing at all? That's a good question. Um, you know, certainly there's precedent. If I'm not mistaken, and I'd have to go back. Kevin was talking about it this morning when we had Mike Chappell on. I mean, when Ryan Grigson was ultimately not retained, it was a while after the season had ended. Right. Uh, I think Chris Ballard's going to be back. I mean, I don't think I, – I think now I'm probably more convinced of that than ever. Um, so, you know, in terms of the timing of when he's going to talk and what he's going to say, I, I don't anticipate him saying anything groundbreaking other than – it is my hope just because of the, the fragile nature with the fan base of, of where the franchise is right now. It's my hope that he doesn't get defiant and that he doesn't get defensive – and that he shows a little bit of humility. I don't think that would be an altogether bad thing. I don't think Chris Ballard's a bad guy. I don't think Chris Ballard is terrible at his job. I don't think he's elite at his job either. I think he probably has the ability to be that, but I think he needs to quit acting like he is. And I think that would go a long way with a fan base that right now, even though people aren't going to like quit going to games and that kind of thing, but the biggest thing that you want to avoid if you're a franchise is fans getting checked out. And I think some of them are, are teetering towards that. Well, it's, it's that and the fact that um, I mentioned this at the outset, Jake, that they're a laughing stock. That team in that franchise right now is a laughing stock. And, you know, people laugh about it, make fun of it nationally. People are laughing about it around here. And that's what I would have probably been more offended by, certainly if I was closer to the organization or within the organization, the fact that you were a punchline yesterday, the fact that people expected that to take place against Houston yesterday, that's what I would be most offended by because, let's face it, that's what you are right now. That's what you are. What we witnessed yesterday, what we've seen in the past eight weeks, what we even saw at the start of the season, this four-win season, this is what you are. And it's more of a, a sense of humor aspect for local fans, more than it is anything else. And to me, that's a disaster. And you can see that right before you. You know, it's hard for me to realize, John, I do a morning radio show. You do an afternoon radio show. We talk a lot about teams within the division, and now we're talking about the playoff teams. And, you know, obviously the great story in Buffalo with DeMar Hamlin flying back to Buffalo today and the Bengals and they're the best team in the league right now and Kansas City being the you know probably the best team and etc etc we don't talk much in the mornings about the New Orleans Saints we don't talk much about the Carolina Panthers and those franchises in the grand scheme of things are fairly irrelevant by today in, in today's NFL that can change obviously pretty quickly it is very surreal for me to think that the Indianapolis Colts have become that. The guys doing the morning and afternoon sports talk shows respectively in Nashville and Charlotte and New Orleans and Sacramento, they don't care about the Colts. They don't talk about the Colts. It's totally That franchise is totally irrelevant to them. And for a franchise that has been in the upper quartile of upper quartiles for a quarter century now, um, that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. And if I'm Jim Irsay, 
that's a hard pill to swallow. But that's the reality of it, John. And that's totally weird for me to say that, you know, it used to be you're like me. It used to be that we would get phone calls from radio stations around the country that wanted to talk about the Colts and preview the Colts game or talk about the latest happenings within the franchise. Now the only time anybody asks is when it's a team they're playing that week because nobody else cares. And that's a hard pill to swallow. What do you think needs to be done? I mentioned, you know, Jeff Saturday talked about sweeping changes. And he's right, but it's with head coach and general manager, to me, um, among those sweeping changes. What do you think is necessary for this team? And, and not only to get back on the right path, the right course, but to, to give a sense of believability to, as you mentioned, a fan base that has seemingly either joked about this franchise now or checked out. I think what's necessary is for a general manager, whether that be Chris Ballard as he, you know, finds some success or whether it be one from outside the building. I think what is necessary with this franchise, really with any franchise, is to have the general manager or team president or whatever title you want to have, have the highest ranking official that is not part of ownership, have total autonomy, and have the owner step aside and trust whoever it is that they're hiring to run the franchise to run it without interruption. And that is not a knock directly at Jim Irsay. I would say that regardless, I would say that about the Pacers. I would say, you know, whatever it might be. Jim Irsay has been around football his whole life. I understand and respect that. And I think he does know the game more than most owners. I understand and respect that as well. So it's not an indictment on his knowledge of the game. It's an indictment on what happens within any business when the person who overly, who, who is signing the checks selectively gets involved in things. I think that just creates in people attention I think it creates an apprehension from people being able to go with what their gut tells them to do is in the best interest. And I think that that's the case with this football team. I think, to be fair to Chris Ballard, at times he probably is overlooking his shoulder because he's thinking, gosh, is this going to be the right move? If this is the wrong move, is the owner going to come in and usurp me? Is he going to bring somebody else in? Is he going to fire somebody without asking me? The best time in this franchise's last 40 years was when that is exactly what took place. When you had somebody in, when it was no question amongst everybody in the building where the buck stopped. And that's what they need to do. They need to get back to the place where everyone knows that the person making the decisions is the final decision to be made and that then the chips will fall as they may, but there's not going to be any interruption of those decisions until they organically play out. A lot of people say this, and this is a common thing from NFL folks in terms of drafting, is you let the board speak to you. You let the board tell you what you need to draft. And to me, if you're the Colts sitting where you're sitting right now, you've got to get up there and get one of those two quarterbacks. I mean, you just absolutely have to do that. And that's, to me, it's more of your team and certainly your offense telling you what you need to do. I don't care what the board says on the draft. I just care about what your team is telling you, and that's what needs to be done. Now, again, it's going to take a lot, and as I sit here, I know it's easier said than done. I'm making it sound really easy, and it's absolutely not, but that's just a have-to. For me, that is a have-to in this spring draft. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, the time has come, right? I mean, Chris Ballard has managed to avoid – like I said, you know, drafting a quarterback for Chris Ballard is college algebra to me. 
I held it off. I stayed that I stayed that I stayed it until I could not delay it any longer. And I had to get it done if I wanted to, to move forward and finishing my degree. And the same thing is true of drafting quarterback. He held it off for as long as possible. The time is now. The time is here. What's interesting to me now with today's news, and I know that people probably thought it wasn't news that affected the Colts much, but with Arizona parting ways with Cliff Kingsbury, what does that mean in terms of the new coach or the direction of what they want to do with Kyler Murray? I know that he's signed to a huge extension, but do they want to maybe move on from him? You know, he was kind of attached with Kingsbury at the hip. Does that mean now that Arizona is going to completely turn the page, start over from scratch, and if that's the case, are they one of those teams that enters into the quarterback sweepstakes? You know, to me, that's relevant as well. Where, where, for the Colts, it's going to come down to, do they have a definitive guy that is their can't miss? That's the guy, and he is head and shoulders above everybody else, whether that be Levis, whether it be Stroud, whether it be Young, you know, whether it be the kid from Florida, or are they happy with, you know what, we'll stay where we are and take whichever of those is still available. Those are decisions they're going to have to to determine. But if they – the days of dilly-dally are over with, man. If there's a guy out there, John, that they think is their quarterback, they got to go get him. they got to do what they they can to get him. And if that means sacrificing some of their coveted draft capital, then you got to do it. I mean, they have – they don't have the luxury if – if there's a guy that they feel is their quarterback, they don't have the luxury of sitting around and letting the chips kind of fall their way. They got to go get it because they've screwed around and waited long enough on this, and, and you see where it got them, right? You're right back yeah, to square it, one. And you have to, you have to have somebody. Yeah, you have to have somebody at this point too. I would think because people ask me all the time, and I'm sure you get asked the same thing. Well, you know, what about you know Derek Carr and all, I mean, and no more of that. I mean, this is one where totally you are high enough up in the draft to where if you got to get higher, you just got to go out and do it. And certainly by now, you would have somebody hard targeted that uh, essentially not 100 percent by any stretch because you still have the combine and you know pro days and all that crap. But somebody that you really like more than you like anybody else. And I mean, hell, maybe it's not one of the two guys at the top of the list. You know, maybe it's Levis, a person that I dismiss. Maybe it's even lower than that. But uh, hopefully by now you have somebody in mind that you believe long-term can be that solution because there's no more mandating this thing over. you got to go out and you got to find that in this draft. The only way that I would accept them not taking a quarterback in the first round is if they can trade back or if, if they can draft – say a stud receiver or something like that for and and they target and they believe that hooker out of Tennessee coming off injuries a first round talent and then get him in round two. But that's a risk, man. And I, I think I just think that they have spent their risk card. They just have. I you know I, I mean I can accept that scenario that I just laid out, but but it wouldn't be my preference because this this fan base has been too patient, man. We, you know, they were too patient with the Carson Wentz gamble. They were too pa- – Philip Rivers was a nice player, but everybody knew he wasn't going to be here long. They were too patient with Matt Ryan and then allowing that to suddenly be, you know, jerking of the wheel over to Sam Ellinger and then back to Foles and back to Ryan. People have been too patient, man. The days of – as we've talked about a million times, those those days of the early 90s of Craig Walsh to Chris Chandler to Gary Hogaboom to Don Mikowski, I just the, the constant rotation – People are over it, and the time is now. 
So, Jake Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m., Monday through Friday here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, away from that for a moment, I, I, I mentioned, too, IU with that loss at home yesterday to Northwestern. And, you know, Mike Woodson saying afterwards regarding the question about his defense or lack thereof with his team suggested that, hey, here's the answer. You know, you got two guys that are sitting on the bench that aren't playing, alluding to Xavier Johnson and Derace Thompson. And I can't think of anything for the rest of that team that's not playing defense well, anything worse or a, a, a worse message you could send to them right now. And hopefully it's different. When you're with your team and you're in practice and it's a private situation, but that in public is, to me, not at all what you want the rest of that team to either hear or certainly digest the way they're playing. It's the worst possible answer, and if I was an Indiana fan, I'd be livid over it. I'd be livid. I mean, you got, as I mentioned earlier, look, you got Indiana fans – doing backflips with every single kid that commits and this guy's going to be the program changer and this is the top 40 player and Peague says this guy's going to be great and da, 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 and on and on and on. Not Peague, I mean the message boards, not not Jeff. And on and on and on, right? And so you've got all these players. I mean, and then two guys go down and suddenly that they're supposed to be the only one that play defense? What the hell is the rest of the ro- – what are they doing with the rest of the roster during practice in October and November? That is an inexcusable – answer inexcusable i don't dispute that race thompson is a key part of what they want to do and xavier johnson's a very good player and those are tough losses but you know what there's a reason you recruited malik Renault. there's a reason you recruited tamar bates there's a reason that you recruited you know trey galloway use them right i mean use them like what, what are you doing here you know i mean Coach them up, teach them defense, do whatever you have to. You've got 12 men on a roster for a reason. Attrition is a part of the game. I'm sorry, but key teams have injuries all of the time, and great coaches find ways to overcome it, and teams find ways to overcome it. And to bring up a guy that hasn't played in a couple of games now, and that's the reason your defense went south, what are you doing? Come up with a different scheme. Do something. Offset it. Even if that's the issue, you let fans and writers point that out. You don't necessarily, as a coach, do so. I thought it was a terrible answer, and I think that they want to get Indiana's season. Hard to say. I mean, I realize it's kind of absurd because it's not like all of a sudden they're at 500. But you lose at home to Northwestern in a game that theoretically you weren't even in for the vast majority of it, and you're going to tell me that's because two guys are hurt? Come on, man. And 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 those aren't even your your two best players are on the floor, period. Your two best players on your roster are on the floor. I'm sorry, you're making too much money as a head coach to lobby that BS out there, and it's an insult to your fans to expect them to accept it. I don't, uh, and to me, I, I I don't even so much care about what what the fans take into this as much as I would about my team. That's why well, I mentioned. That you know, no, hopefully, no, that message is drastically different in a locker room and privately because I, I wouldn't want these guys thinking, well, you know what, we're kind of screwed defensively because these two guys are out of here. That's, yeah, that's or, not a strong message whatsoever from your head coach. Totally. I mean, you're thinking like, well, hell, we just got a free pass. I don't have to play defense the rest of the year. Our coach says that it's because these other two guys, so I we're good. I just, I mean, I, I – I was bewildered by that. I heard that this morning, and I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, we played it. Mark Dykton played that bite, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that's what he said. 
But that's where they are. Jake Query is with us. Before I let you go, Pacers beat the Hornets yesterday. They get the Knicks in New York coming up on Wednesday evening. Uh, and certainly they have been one of the bigger surprises. And it'd be an even bigger surprise if, if, if it wasn't Indiana and the Pacers in the NBA, throughout the NBA landscape. But it's been a, a surprise to us uh, and certainly to those that run the team, you know, whether it's Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, or even head coach Rick Carlisle, because I think you guys were told the same thing that I was from Rick Carlisle that, hey, this is going to take a little bit. It hasn't. Is this is something at some point right now where you should embrace and move forward and try to get something significantly done this year? Or I guess what I should ask you is how much might you be changing the blueprint for this team as they continue to win? Boy, I'll tell you what. I was watching yesterday. I went to the game. And I'm watching the last you know, half of the fourth quarter. And it was a close game, probably closer than it should have been against the Hornets, and particularly a Hornets game where LaMelo Ball has 13 and fouls out. But you're going to have it. And so I'm watching it. And and this is becoming a pattern where late in the game, when the game is in the balance, Andrew Nimhard is on the floor. Aaron Neesmith is on the floor. Tyrese Halliburton is on the floor. Benedict Matherin is on the floor. They're all four under the age of, I I think, 24, if not 23. And then you add Miles Turner and Buddy Heald into that mix of players. And you've got a core there, John, that I'll be honest, and and Miles Turner is a key cog. And, yes, they absolutely need to do what they can to re-sign him and retain him because this group is just playing extremely well. And you add a couple of, of young players via the draft, and then you throw in Jalen Smith into the equation. And, you know, we haven't mentioned Chris Duarte, who's obviously, you know, a little bit older, but, but a good player and young in his NBA career. They've got, at this point, maybe I'm naive. At this point, I am perfectly content with, you know what, this is our core moving forward, and now we add pieces to it via the draft. And, and I would, I'm willing to push that in and, and give it three or four years and see what happens. I know that there are contracts there. you got to figure some things out. But if Turner and Heald want to be here, and I think they probably do, I know that they are valuable pieces that other teams are going to throw money at. But if you can retain them with this particular core and give them a year or two to play together, I think you could be looking at a team that is absolutely contending for the East sooner than later, I mean, within two years probably. Do you think that Buchanan and, and Pritchard – Ideally, at the beginning of the season, had any designs on keeping Miles Turner at all? I mean, I do. you think it was a foregone conclusion as they started that he was going to be gone compared to where they are right now, thinking that he's been so important that he needs to stay? No, I think that they were very optimistic at the beginning of the year and very intrigued as to how Tyrese Halliburton was going to impact his game. And I think that they were very aware that Miles Turner, and this is not a knock on Sabonis at all. I mean, I, but I think they were very, I think they did a lot of different, I think they looked at a lot of different plays and stretches of when he was on the floor when, when Sabonis, when they were together, was not. And the way that, and then they factored in with this particular group of players. Um, I think they were very intrigued and they were very, satisfied with the possibility of working him with Halliburton 
And I think they entered the year very open-minded to that. And I think that that patience and optimism is paying off. Well, it's, um, it's been fun to watch that evolution no with him and, and Halliburton playing together. But, I mean, there are so many important pieces of this, and it seems like that, that these guys have staked their claim to, you know, closer with Halliburton or, you know, closer on the defensive end with Miles and Miles. I mean, hell closed on both ends. Yesterday against the Hornets, a shot making from distance from Buddy Heal. You know, Matherin's kind of that wild card when he comes in and either, you know, getting to the rim or, you know, doing what he does offensively off the bench. It just seems like they have a lot of pieces that you know, normally leads to a high level of success no matter what age of your NBA team might be. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I, I'm not going to say that I know they did, but I strongly suspect they did. I think what they did with Miles Turner is they went back and they looked at the moments when Miles Turner was not in games or was not on the floor and Sabonis was at the percentage, the, the average number of players per set that touched the ball in a half court set when Sabonis was on the floor versus the number that did when Turner was on the floor and Sabonis was not. And they realized that when Turner was on the floor, there was a, a greater rotation and, and movement of the basketball. Understandably, because Sabonis is a very high-level and efficient low-push scorer. This is not a knock on Sabonis at all. But once they, once they saw the, those numbers, then they realized that if they wanted to pay, play a more offensive, free-flowing offense, that Turner was the one that more facilitated that than Sabonis. So then they said, what players in a half-court set best facilitate for the ball to move around quickly? And I think that's part of why Halliburton was targeted in the trade for Sabonis. Buddy Hill was a bonus, and he's been a great, an, an unbelievable bonus. But they knew with Turner here, based on, if you want to call it the cybermetrics or the, the, the in-depth analysis of half-court sets, they knew that with Miles Turner, it was facilitating for better ball rotation and movement around the offense. So then they intentionally put him on the floor with players that can move the ball around quickly, all of which have the ability to score in an open look. And that's why I think they, they were optimistic about Turner being part of the piece beyond just this year. Hey, I got to run really quick here, but do you think Miles and his reps are also thinking about how, in terms of his fit with this team, is it going to be any better anyplace else? I'm not suggesting he'd go someplace else and fail, but considering what it has been so far in less than half of the season, do you think they consider, you know, maybe if you go someplace else, that fit because there's no Halliburton with you might not be nearly the same? I think they absolutely think that, or let me rephrase, I think they absolutely are open to that line of thought and also are absolutely aware of the fact that jumping at that right away is not going to make them the most amount of money. So you play a little cat and mouse with it and see how much you can milk out of the Pacers to get them to sign. So, Jake Query, what are you and Kevin going to talk about? More of this? A little 10.30 a.m.? That's after you guys are off. Kevin's going to have uh, to will sprint. Actually tomorrow. He's going to have to sprint over there and cover that bad boy tomorrow morning. Uh, Kevin will be over there tomorrow, I guarantee it, to cover Ballard. Joel A. Erickson is going to join us from the start to talk about the Colts and anticipate the Ballard press conference. And then Tony East will join us to talk more on this Pacers topic as well.
All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Be listening. Coming Always, up tomorrow Joe, morning, man. It. Go Colts. So, we'll you. Jake Query, morning show. Shout out to Colton, by the way, too, from Jake there. Closing out that particular segment. Buffalo Wild Wings, we are in Glendale today off of 62nd Street. It's a Blue Monday. Our final of the season. Got stuff to give away. We'll give that uh, away coming up at 6 o'clock. Colts Roundtable Live. The final one coming up as well. In the 6 o'clock hour, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com's at 5. Chris Ballard's presser tomorrow, not live streamed to the public. 10.30 a.m. It is officially underway. Quick break. We'll come back with your calls at 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You got to have this one, and and we get the ball in really good field position with a stop here. Turnover even better. Texans are four out of eight today on third downs. Rex Burkhead is the back to the left of Mills. Plants in the pocket, throws it upfield, picked off by the Colts. They're going the other way with it. Ronnie McLeod at the five, has to get rid of the quarterback. Stiff arms Mills at the goal line, takes it in. Touchdown! Touchdown for the defense. It's Rodney McLeod for the score. A 28-yard pick six. It's 24-20. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, and Rick Venturi, the analyst right there, didn't turn out to be that happy yesterday, unless you wanted the Colts to lose, and the number of you out there did, and they did, in fact, lose to the Texans yesterday. To close out the 2022 season, we're closing out the 2022 season of Blue Mondays here at the Buffalo Wild Wings off the 62nd Street in Glendale is our location. Would love to see you out here as well. Great food, the ice-cold Bud Light, and you've got a little national title tilt. Remember this time a year ago? We were getting ready for it down at Lucas Oil Stadium. SoFi Stadium in Southern California later on tonight for a title. TCU and Georgia is the matchup. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury canned by the Cardinals today as their head coach. Uh, Steve Keim, the general manager, stepping aside. So a complete reboot in the desert for the Arizona Cardinals. And I know you didn't mention this. Um, after uh, the Texans won, a couple of hours after Cal McNair decided to go ahead and after one season end the head coaching duties of Lovey Smith down in Houston. Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Colts, meeting with the media coming up tomorrow morning at 10.30 a.m. Jeff Saturday, the interim head coach, a little bit earlier, solidifying why he still wants to maintain the head coaching gig going into next year. And some of the things... Uh, Just in general terms, he was talking about, but some of the things that he wanted to instill within uh, a team led by him next season, and the Colts are going to go out, and it was Tom Pelissot and others had reported how wide of a net 
that apparently they will cast on this head coaching search. Meantime, 239-1070 is the number. If you're watching Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, thank you very much. Jake Quare with us, the podcast 107.5thefan.com. It is going to be Stephen Holder of ESPN.com at the top of the hour. But G is going to lead coming up right now at 239-1070. Hello, G. Hey, what's going on, JMV? Love the show, man. Good to hear from you. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, man. I just wanted to ask you a question, man. I, uh, I'm in education, so I rarely, I, I sometimes I miss your show. But I, I was dry, I got out a little early today, and I was listening. And I hear you reading about Harbaugh, man. Why are you, why are you so set on Harbaugh, man? I, I'm I, a believer. I, about, I am a believer. Yeah, yeah. I'm a believer I, in I, him he, because he's had he's had success in the NFL. Clearly, has had success in Michigan, and I'm a believer in he. And, and really. It's even more so than that in my belief in what he has done in the past and what he is as a coach. And I know he can be a little bit wacky. Don't get me wrong. But I believe in what he is as a coach. And I believe that he is somebody as a coach to where the meddling of the owner would stop if he were to be brought in here as the coach. So, yes, uh, among those coaches that have been mentioned out there, and listen, it probably won't happen, but that is who would be at the top of my list. Well, I, I'm just, I just question that because are you sure that he's going to be able to groom a young quarterback? I mean, the Michigan quarterbacks, they're not, they're not beating down the door, to, door of NFL teams. So that, that was just my question. Well, and I will consider this much like I, I consider those that suggest that, for example, C.J. Stroud should not be drafted by the Colts if they have the opportunity because historically speaking Ohio State does not put out high quality quarterbacks. I, I don't really care about that as much as I care about the coach yeah, at the yeah. moment here and the quarterback at the moment here. I, I'm not really too much looking in the, the history of the, the quarterback in Ann Arbor under Jim Harbaugh or the history of the quarterback in Columbus in terms of how C.J. Stroud has looked. I, I like that combination. I think that would not only be a combination in which um, I think folks around here would be incredibly happy with. I think that would be a good starting point for what is, to me, needs to be a rebirth around here. And that's exactly where I would start as of right now. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call, man. Appreciate it. Gee, you call any time. Thank you very much for that. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. I just think it's that would be at the top, the top of my list. A lot of you say, you know, I think you're putting too much stock into hiring somebody just so the owner would kind of fade a little bit more into the background and not so much be in everything as he was this year. And I think that's true. I, to me, that's what you get with a guy like Harbaugh. And as I mentioned, too, regarding Jeff Saturday, I don't know what Jeff Saturday would have looked like or would look like if he does get that gig in 2023. I just think that the owner would have given him more of an opportunity and a more fair shake had it been something that you chose to do in this offseason as opposed to knowing what you know right now about him and and frankly when people bring up names of coordinators you know whether it's you know, Ken Dorsey's been brought up before I think Byron Leftwich has been brought up before um, Eric Bannemi's been brought up a ton 
And then D'Amico Ryans is a guy, actually, of the coordinators I just named with the potential of head coaches. I, I think the most impressive of it all is what Ryans has done with Frisco. And they all, they all come with the, the certainty of these guys have been coaching up really good players and really good teams. And so is Ryans. But just to me, I don't know if it's going to be a, a defensive guy that is up next. But... To me, I think Harbaugh would be the surest of things. I don't even consider, uh, at this point, you know, Sean Payton even somebody you could give interest to because you still have to give something back to New Orleans, and then you're probably going to have to get something up if you do want to get up and try to secure one of these top two of the elite of the elite quarterbacks as we sit here right now and discuss it. I just think Harbaugh is a guy that you bring in and it gets everybody's attention. And then the owner is able to step back and let the coach do the coaching and whomever, whether it's you know, Ballard or if it's anybody else, kind of reevaluate what your roster looks like too. Because make no mistake about it, it's not like that anybody, whether it's Frank Reich or, or Jeff Saturday, has been coaching up with a great deal of high level, as we know that, offensive talent. Uh, yet another reason why I'm a non-believer in the general manager moving forward, too. And by the way, Chris Ballard has a presser, as I mentioned, coming up again at you, 10.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. We'll discuss that a little bit more in-depth with Stephen Holder coming up at the top of the hour. 62nd is the location here in Glendale of this Buffalo Wild Wings, and we would love to see you here. The final Blue Friday of the 2022 season, live in Glendale at Buffalo Wild Wings. Your calls and more and inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I got Twitter comments coming at you as well at JMV 1070. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Well, wait just a minute. Did anybody anymore. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Four down linemen. Play action. Rolling right. Ellinger steps up. Going to take a shot downfield. He's got Paris Campbell. Comes back. He makes the catch. Circles into the 15-yard line. He's at the 10 and is dragged forward down to the 8-yard line. Hey, welcome back. Matt Taylor. Colts call yesterday. The voice of the Colts. Colts Radio Network back at Buffalo Wild Wings, Glendale, 62nd Street. Blue Monday, thank you for joining us. A shout-out to Harley D., who got me a fantastic big red old-school shirt to remind me of that time when I was 16 when I played a little hoop and was passing a kidney stone at the half. 12 points against Shackamack. I scored 11 in the second half, only one in the first half, 11 in the second half after passing a kidney stone. I have no idea how I am not in the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame for that feat alone. Because I guarantee you, nobody's ever passed a kidney stone and scored double figures in the second half of a basketball game. Consider that never to have been done. But thank you, Harley D. Thank you, Nicole, for that outstanding T-shirt. Um, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Cliff Kingsbury fired by the Cardinals. Steve Kahn, the general manager, steps away. 
Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator involved in really what was at the very early stages the downfall of the Titans. He has been relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator of the Titans earlier today. That happening as well. Meantime, Jake Query a little bit earlier. We talked about Chris Ballard's press conference coming up at 10.30 a.m. tomorrow. More on that and the state of the Colts moving forward from ESPN.com. Stephen Holder joins us. So let me see if we're on the same page with this. People had asked me. Actually, I think they asked uh, one of our, our colleagues and friends, Zach Kiefer, about this Ballard presser tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. not being live streamed. And people were asking me if that is common. And I think Zach actually said it, it is not common. Normally it is. And then somebody had retweeted to me where the, the Colts at Colts.com will be carrying a live stream of that press conference tomorrow. Was that just misinformation or was that a change of heart? Is there anything going on beneath the surface there? I am not sure. I'm a little raspy, by the way. So bear with me here. Cool. But I feel fine. Yes. So whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, I, I got a couple questions about that as well. Uh, I just know that they are streaming it um, as, as we sit here right now. That is the plan currently. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a wild time right now. <laughs> so who the hell knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious your questions. What, what are the questions that you have about that? Uh, well, I mean, about about the, the the decision to stream it or not, or I was just talking about that. I was just saying I, I had questions as to whether they were or were not streaming it. So, um, oh, okay, I'm I sorry. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you're asking questions I have for Chris Ballard, I mean, well, that's a long list. But no. I think at the right. top of that list, at the top of that list, I think. Um, I would like to get some transparency. I don't know that we will, but I would like to get some transparency on where he stood in the in the entire Jeff Saturday situation, right? I mean, I think we know, and I think Ballard chose just not to say it, but uh, I would like to know what role, if any, you know, what say, what level of say he had in, in that decision. It doesn't appear that he was on the same page. And then where he stands now on Jeff Saturday. I mean, we know he's a candidate because the owner said so. All right, so Chris Ballard as I've been told, is running this coaching search. It doesn't mean he is ultimately the guy pulling the trigger, but he's, he's uh, facilitating the coaching search. That's something I've been consistently told. That is what the Colts are telling their potential candidates who are interested in the job. So that's the official word from the organization. And, you know, I, I thought that was the case even before Chris Ballard, you know, press conference got lined up tomorrow. I, I thought he was here. And, and wasn't going anywhere. But anyway, uh, beyond that, I, I think the other question, a, a big primary question, is what is his what what is his level of, I guess, um, say in the major decisions moving forward? It's very clear they have some big decisions to make, and it's also clear that someone else has been spearheading a lot of these big decisions lately. That person being Jim Irsay. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, a little raspy, but going through it here with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, I'm which laying is, it on the line for you, buddy. You are, man. I, 
<laughs> I appreciate that more than you know. I mean, you could have just went ahead and decided. You could have opted out like a lot of uh, the players did during the bowl season, but uh, you hung with it, and we, we certainly appreciate that. Where are you right now as far as going back a couple of weeks ago with Jim Irsay's words about Ballard moving forward? And, and certainly they don't have to say a thing because his contract's got a number of years still on it. So, you know, you don't have to say, well, he's, you know, he's absolutely going to be here because contractually he is absolutely going to be here. But where do you stand compared to what Ursay said in that recorded ESPN interview compared to where we are going into that presser tomorrow? Well, look, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of heat on Ballard. I, I think from the fan base right now, that is different, right? I mean, I, I think there have always been some people with some questions, but there's never been this level of vitriol for Chris Ballard. I've never seen it. In fact, he's usually gotten the benefit of the doubt from the fan base. And, and I think that was appropriate for the most part in the past. Uh, but, but the team is at a different place right now. So, so I think it, it'll be very interesting to see how he handles what I expect to be some pretty pointed questions. I mean, I, I think we had a couple of them in the last press conference, which is when Jeff Saturday was introduced. But that was also not a Chris Ballard press conference. It wasn't about him, and we had bigger fish to fry that day, right? So this is going to be all him, and, and I think that his record is much more, um, you know, I, I think under scrutiny than it has been probably ever. So it's a new place for him. It's not just that the team is in a bad place. It's that there, there are doubts about him personally. And I want to see how he handles that. I want to see what his defense is of that, and uh, I think it'll be very interesting. Um, I would say my overall impressions, by the way, I, I think of where he is. I think Chris, Chris Ballard is an interesting conversation. I know that, that people don't want to hear it right now, and, and they just want him out. I, I do think it's, it, it's a little bit nuanced, right? And, and just briefly, the nuance is this, if you, if you care about this at all as, as a listener. The nuance is uh, a big part of a general manager's job is to sort through the draft, find talent, especially you know the the non obvious talent you know as you get past the first round. And he's very good at that, right? He's done a very good job of building the middle of the roster, and that's where your that's where your draft picks are, right? The problem is that's not the only job. the The other part of the job is to put your to put your team in position to win a championship and and it's hard to do that with the quarterback situation and with i think just a, a reluctance to go for it and and make the big moves that maybe can get you there i um i'm under the impression of i had this for a while now uh, certainly from the you know midway through november somewhere in that neighborhood that yeah, this organization, you're clearly, to me, you better be moving forward with the quarterback drafted of the future. I think you need a clean slate with general manager and head coach. Do you believe that? I think that I, I can see it both ways. Well, let me, let me back up. Yes, the quarterback, as far as the quarterback, let me tell you something. Listen, I don't know where Chris Ballard stands on this, and he's been gun-shy at quarterback clearly in the past. But he damn well better pick a quarterback. All right, I'm just telling you now. People will riot. I also do not think Jim Ursay uh, wants to hear any other possibility. In my mind, Jim Ursay is, is, has a one-track mind right now. And, and that one track is get me a quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't see any other outcome right now 
uh, in his mind, I, I can't see anything else uh, being acceptable to Jim Mercer. And who, who, by the way, has a lot of questions to answer of his own. But, but he is in charge, and I, and I don't think he's going to let that slide. I think he is tired of this carousel as much as anybody else. So as far as the, whether they need a new general manager, I think the question is going to be, has Chris Ballard learned anything? If he, if he has, and he's going to govern this team in a different way, he can be successful because then he can hopefully change some of the things that he's done that's gotten him in trouble and do the things that he's done well, continue to do those things, right? But I don't know. I mean, you know, for five years, he has been very consistent in good and bad ways, right? So I can't guarantee that he's going to be a different guy. But I, I do think that where we are, where things are different is uh, he's, he's definitely in a different place in terms of the owner's displeasure. And, and that matters. And especially, and, and they're also no longer just, uh, they took a step back, a big step back for the very first time, a huge step. And I think that forces you to have to govern yourself differently, I think, I hope. What significant changes do you think Jeff Saturday was talking about earlier today in his press conference? Yeah, good, good question. I, I mean, hard to know, right? Because the one thing – I mean, he said a lot of things in that press conference. The one thing he didn't do was get very specific about anything, which was a little frustrating. But, I mean, I get it. Like, he's, he doesn't want to paint himself in the corner, but it would have been nice to have some specifics. I mean, as the head coach, I mean, the kinds of things you can do that are different are – you know, you can structure practice differently. You can have a different schedule. You can, you know, I, I think have higher standards in terms of how you grade your players. They do grade them very specifically through every game. You know, those are the kinds of things that you can change. Now, what the head coach can't change is, like, you know, what's the talent level, right? I mean, those kinds of things. Uh, and and then there's also things that I think you you have to rely on experience to really to really understand what changes are necessary you know and i and i think that's something that 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 he just you know look he just hasn't been on the job long enough uh to check that box he just hasn't and do i think Jeff Saturday would be better in year 2 potentially of course right i mean there's no doubt just because it couldn't be worse number 1 i mean my god it can't be worse and then number 2 Yes, I get it. You're coming in midstream. It's very difficult to to make a, a, a significant change. But I, what I didn't, what what I wish he would have handled differently though is, you know, like he was asked about Steve Wilkes in Carolina going six and six as an interim coach, and how, hey, well, what's different with you? I mean, why were you one and seven and losing by three touchdowns every week? And his answer was like, well, you know, we were missing coaches, and you know, they, Steve Wilkes has you know, been with those staff members for longer than I was, all of which are true, but like, come on, man. Like that's, that's a bad look. That answer I thought was a bad look. You know, it's funny about that. I can compare things where, you know, oftentimes Ballard will get the, the benefit of the doubt uh, from some because of, of what he's had to deal with. And I, I'm not one of those. Um, I, six years to me is enough. And I want to see a seven. I think we've seen enough. I think mm-hmm. that has been a fair gauge. And, you know, it's also interesting when you get from folks as well with, with Jeff Saturday. Well, you know, the one in seven, 
Uh, in this eight weeks, it's been an absolute mess. There have been embarrassing performances. So in the same light, I mean, if, if people want Ballard back, I, they probably want, right, Saturday back as well because you're handing out excuses to both that, that uh, people are trying to justify right now. I just think this needs a clean sweep, and I think this needs a clean sweep from Jim Irsay. I think Jim Irsay needs somebody, and I've mentioned this, and this is really easy for me to come up with, but uh, the, the Jim Harbaugh aspect is somebody that he trusts, somebody that I think he would trust to guide this team in the future, and he could step away and not be so meddlesome as he has, because that's also at the top of the list of why this season is a mess, and also at the top of the list of why Jeff Saturday looks like a mess right now, because he took over that gig, offered that gig, and took it when he did. If you start at the end of the year, we may be critical of the decision by the Colts owner, but at least you give Jeff Saturday a clean slate, and this way, it's easy for us to draw that conclusion that Jeff does not deserve it. Well, I will say this, to, to piggyback on what you just said, I thought Jim Mercer did just Saturday no favors doing what he did because he put him in a position to fail. Now, he may overlook that, he being Jim Mercer. He, he may look past that and say, he's my guy. And, and who the hell knows? It's his team. Uh, he's, got, he's got a lot of money and a lot of power. He can do that, right? But, but he certainly didn't put him in position to succeed. Uh, I will say, going back to your original point about you know, Ballard getting some benefit of the doubt at times, just Saturday not getting it. I, I think that's probably true. I think the reason at times, I can speak for myself, I think the, if, if you hear me do that at times, I think it boils down to uh, track record. And the track record overall for Ballard, I get, you know, over the six years, wins and losses, it ain't good. I'm just saying he has some very specific successes that we can point to, right? And I can say he did this, yeah. this, and this, and here's why he's good. I can't say that about Jeff Saturday, right? I, I cannot say that. Now, that being said, I will say this. If you want to make the argument, anybody, not you, but if the argument is that this team is in a bad place and they just a results-oriented business or being a results-oriented business, you need to reset it and start over, there's really no counter-argument for that, right? If that's the basis for the decision, I don't have a, I don't have a counter-argument for that. That's a very viable um, position to take, and it is, it is very fair and, and also very accurate. Hey, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. 10.30 a.m., that's coming up tomorrow morning, the Chris Ballard presser, which was originally slated not to be live-streamed, and then now it is, and we don't know if there's anything going on there or not, but in a season like this, you kind of start thinking, well, what's really going on here? And I'm assuming that those questions will be answered at some point coming up tomorrow after 10.30. Is any of this at all financially driven from Jim Irsay? Does he want to keep Ballard because he doesn't want to have to pay the remainder of his contract and then pay another general manager and pay a head coach not to coach and pay another head coach to coach? Is any of this financial? Because, again, very easy and simple for me to say with somebody else's money. But if you're Jim Irsay and you've been very loud and very proud about financially what you're going to give to have a winner here, that doesn't float. Yeah, you know, I'll say this. Look, I think that every decision has a financial element to it, right? Because you better believe if they made the decision to fire Chris Ballard and, and when they made the decision to fire Frank Reich, you better believe they knew down to the dollar, down to the penny, okay, what it would cost them. Because 
that matters. Money matters a lot. Right? You don't get into a billion-dollar business if money doesn't matter to you. It, it, damn right it matters. Uh, so is, there, is it driven by money or is, is money just a component? That's the harder question. I don't think it's driven by money. I do think it's always an element, as I said, probably not driven by it. Uh, but I, I do think it's, it's a little more um, a little more complicated than that. I don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it boils completely down to money. Do you think that, well, I guess this is a two-parter right here. Do you think that they're going to, team-wise, have to get up? And this is, I guess, under the assumption that the top two quarterbacks in their eyes, like it is in a lot of others right now, would be Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Do you think that they could get up? Do they have enough to offer to get up to secure one of those guys? And, again, this is assuming these guys are at the top of their list. And, again, if they're not, I don't know what the hell they're watching, but whatever. I mean, clearly they watched Matt Ryan on tape last year and decided after 90 minutes that he was going to good. They have a good season. That didn't work out. But whatever they're watching, uh, let's just say for the sake of the question, they have to get up to get one of those two quarterbacks. You think they have what is going to be necessary to do that? Well, they're they're going to have to tap into future resources to do it. I think you know I'm talking about a future first round pick. Um, going from four to I mean, here's the argument: Do they need to get to number one? I, I mean, I I think that's probably what we're talking about because they're not Houston's not trading them their pick, right? And you know they don't do business together. And then you know what's the point of going to number three? I, you know, I don't I don't know that that accomplishes very much. So yep. are we, you know, if we're talking about going to the number one pick, you're talking about a really aggressive move, uh, the kind, by the way, that Chris Ballard has never, ever, ever, ever made. And so it's going to be very interesting. I mean, he's going to break out in a cold sweat before he pulls the trigger on something like that. You know what I mean? It's just even if even if it's it's mandated or recommended or he knows it's the right thing, whatever, right? I mean, it's going to really be difficult for him to pull the trigger on that just because. We know Chris Ballard's way. Uh, with draft picks, um, more is always his preference. And, and, and they have already mortgaged some future picks in you know, the last couple of years, certainly the, the Carson Wentz trade. But I, I think this is a situation where you got to do what you got to do if it, if it comes to that. Let's let, let's let the landscape play out a little bit, right? You know, we, it's still early. We don't know what the analysis of these guys is ultimately going to be. It always changes dramatically between now and uh, and and say March, you know, as we get closer. But I, I will I will leave you with this. Um, Ballard has he's a Big Ten guy, okay? He's a Big Ten guy through and through. Played at Wisconsin. Uh, he he has drafted tons of Ohio State players. Um, for me, if I'm predicting, and I'm, he didn't tell me this. This is just me reading between the lines. I th- I think that Stroud would be his guy. And also another reason. I mean, if we're talking about but those between those two guys, right? And the other element here, this is strictly hypothetical, just me talking, okay? Let me be very clear. The other thing to consider here is Bryce Young's size is of some question. And Ballard is a huge, huge, huge measurables, measurables guy. You know what I mean? Like for him, measurables matter like a lot. So I think his Big Ten ties, Ohio State ties, and the – the knock on Bryce Young or one of them being his size, I think it tilts it for Chris Ballard to C.J. Stroud. So that's my theory. It seems kind of tough unless we're talking about 
you know, being able to A, part with existing players, like existing higher level rostered players for the Colts right now, it's hard to really think about them having more than others that may have designs on getting up to number one to do the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what helps them is they're already at number four. And so they don't have far to go. So that helps. I mean, if you're, I don't, I'm not looking at the draft board right now, but I mean, if you're, if you're ninth or 10th or 11th, you know, you got to give up more, more assets to get where, uh, to get into the range where the Colts already are. So, you know, and if you, if you're the bears, for example, Oh, by the way, Ryan Poles and Chris Ballard, you know, uh, they have history. So that, you know, the, the bears general manager. So that's another little tidbit to, to keep in the back of your head. Uh, the bears got the number one pick. So to get from, to, if you're the bears who presumably will not pick a quarterback, uh, going down to number four is very palatable. I, I think that's palatable for for a team like the Bears because you're going to pick up assets. Uh, there's no like pressure for them to win the Super Bowl right now. People get that they are rebuilding. So I think for them, uh, it's, it's a very viable thing to consider. And, uh, and, and again, for the Colts, they're already within range. So while they maybe aren't a team that is uh, that bends over backwards to give up assets, um, they're in better position than most other teams. You expect Jim Mercer to say anything anytime soon? You know, um, not if the team, not not if the team officials can do anything about it. No, <laughs> but as we know, uh, he doesn't need his staff to facilitate him talking. Okay, and so listen. Uh, I got a call from the man on Thanksgiving afternoon. Okay, so, like, if he's got something to say, he's going to say right. it, damn it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, um, yeah, I mean, anything anything you do right now is, is going to be met with a great deal of criticism. I, I mean, really, there's not a lot he's going to be able to do right. Now, in the court of public opinion, after six years, I think moving on there um, probably would, you know, make some folks feel better about the direction – of the organization. I, I just, I'm just kind of curious when, at what point results do actually matter, I guess, because right now, if you're intent on moving with what you have, it, it doesn't seem like results driven is exactly the path you're taking here. No, I mean, I, I, I do think that in the grand scheme, even though I think there's, there's an argument that they didn't accomplish anything by firing Frank Reich when they did, I mean, if they had done it today, I would have shrugged, right? But, um, but even even if even if you take that position, and I do think that, right? I think it didn't accomplish very much. Uh, I, I would say though that it was, if you're talking about results mattering, I think that is a great example of results mattering a lot, and the fact that the owner was dissatisfied. I, I mean, it doesn't mean he made all the right decisions as a result of that, right? As a result of of feeling that uh, that things were not progressing, but it does display, uh, I think, some some frustration with the situation and and a, a, a need and a willingness to do something about it. So so I think that that says something about, you know, what he's willing to put up with and and, you know, what the expectation will be moving forward. But you know, we'll see what happens. 
Well, and <laughs> I can't wait till tomorrow to find out. You probably won't find out entirely the feeling there, but obviously with the owner just saying, all right, you sit down, I'm going to make this decision. And you go back to that, that initial press conference when they brought Jeff Saturday in and, you know, to take that picture, Jim had to ask Chris Ballard twice to come up there to get into the picture. It certainly seemed like he wanted absolutely zero to do with the decision that was being made at the time. And, and granted, I kind of understood, too, because you look at the talent of this team and anything talent-wise that Chris Ballard has had his hands on um, has gone really wrong here. And I, I know you can point the finger that, well, you know, Grover Stewart, that's great or whatever, but it, there's not been enough on this team to really look at, oh, wow, uh, it, what he's doing, the decisions he's made, the player personnel, uh, the crafting of this roster, there's really no place to point to right now where you feel good about any of it other than your free agent place kicker, I guess. I mean, it's it really well, is that bad. I, I, I would say this for people. So, like, if you want a glass half full, glass half full assessment mm-hmm. of things. And I'm a, this might be a stretch. Okay. Bear with me. <laughs> but if, <laughs> but if, you, if you think about next year, right. And you're like, man, I, I just don't see a way out because I think that's a very valid argument right now. The argument would be, all right, let's see if JT is still JT next year. Right. Uh, this year was, that's one thing, but let, let me start by saying this before I go into individuals. This year was a perfect storm. And by that, what I mean is, so key players get hurt, right? JT's hurt, I think, half the season. Uh, Shaquille Leonard, right? I mean, I, I, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but he said some very positive things today. I think the second surgery is taking hold better than the first. We'll see what happens, right? But, but I mean, we got a long way to go before we know where the hell he is, right? But, anyway, this year was a perfect storm. JT, Shaquille Leonard, two of the best players in the entire NFL. They don't give them anything for the most part. Um, your offensive line, which is the bedrock of the entire team, awful. Then you have the quarterback you were relying on. That didn't work. And so I, I think if you, if you take any team in the league and you, and you, you kind of hit their strengths and, and they get that kind of production from their strengths, they are going to suck. Suck. And that is what happened to the Colts this year. So the flip side of that is – if any of that gets corrected, okay, if any of that gets corrected, they now have the chance to be a viable team. But there's a lot of ifs, maybes, and shoulda, woulda, couldas in there, and we got a long way to go. All right, you consider it all that the Colts and Jim Irsay, in this case it would be Jim Irsay, would have a level of interest that reportedly a couple of the other teams in the NFL with coaching vacancies have moving into this search. Uh, you mean in terms of how attractive the job uh, might in be? Terms of, yeah, in terms of Jim Harbaugh, too. That's, that's okay. like at the top of my list type of guy. And, you yeah. know, people have dismissed that because, I mean, he kind of dismissed it, kind of, not entirely, but kind of dismissed it himself last week. Um, right. I, I think that's, that's where you start with all of this right now. Am I wrong with that? Do you think that they will, they will go hard after it, or will that be somewhat of an afterthought in this search? I mean, look, they have a, they have a, um, a history of, of going after the big fish. I mean, you recall in, I think it was 2016, maybe, when, when Chuck Pagano was a lame duck and, and didn't have a contract. And that last day, or excuse me, that Monday after the season, who were the Colts on the phone with? And we know this as a fact now. They were on the phone with Sean Payton's people. 
Okay. Sean Payton was, was also, um, you know, dealing with a contract matter in New Orleans at the time and, and was probably looking for leverage. Okay. Let's be honest. He was probably looking for leverage and found it because he ended up signing a new contract. But the point is the Colts were in touch with him and, and we're, we're talking about project, you know, potentially bringing him on. So, you know, the last couple of times they have, shot for uh, a head coach they, they have shot big and um, I think even the last coaching search I mean Josh McDaniels I didn't that didn't work out and, he, and I didn't love him as a candidate anyway but he certainly was was a big name candidate they they interviewed Mike Vrabel Matt Nagy was the all the rage at that time as well that didn't work out in Chicago but at the time he was a very highly sought after candidate they interviewed all the, the like the top candidates at the time now the difference here is I do think the Colts as an organization, though, they might be in a different place. And, you know, that was a team that not only had draft capital, but had, you know, tons of uh, cap yeah. space and, and had an, a franchise quarterback who was on the mend. I mean, this is a different. And, and an owner that was viewed in a different way, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. true. And I think that matters. I mean. Um, I mean, ultimately, there's only 32 of these jobs, right? Look, I will tell you personally, I've gotten calls from coaching agents who, whose clients want this job. Now, at the same time, you work all the angles, man, because there's only 32 of them, <laughs> okay? But at the end of the day, you know, the, 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 the coaches, the candidates who have, uh, who have options, uh, they are going to heavily consider their other options, I think, before they – uh, consider the Colts, frankly. Yeah. So, uh, Stephen Holder, I would. Plan Hurt today <laughs> on ESPN.com. Yeah. Yeah. 10.30 tomorrow morning, he's going to be a part of it. And apparently that will be live-streamed at Colts.com. Chris Ballard in his postseason presser again, 10.30 a.m. We'll see what's going on out there. Stephen, I appreciate you more than you know, man. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Little musty TV tomorrow. See you then. It might be, no doubt. Uh, yeah, 10.30 a.m. tomorrow morning for that. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It is a Blue Monday at Buffalo Wild Wings, 62nd Street. We're in Glendale. Quick break, and we'll come back. Thoughts on the day? Calls at 239-1070 inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You got us as well on Twitter at JMV1070. The email address is JMV at 1075thefan.com. Colts Roundtable Live, top of the hour, and this is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Coming up, our conversation. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Houston in four-down territory here. They are 5 for 13 on third down. This is third and 10 inside the Coca-Cola red zone. 67 seconds to go. They're going to motion the player to the uh, right side. That's Chris Moore. Ball in the far hash for Mills. Shot good snap. Colts bringing the heat. They get him down with the sack. It's year Franklin. Yes, sir. The all-time tackle leader for the Colts in a single season. Gets a sack with 58 seconds to go. Matt Taylor on the call, voice of the Colts, 
Colts Radio Network, Colts Roundtable Live. I'm sure discussion about yesterday and the once-over regarding the 2022 campaigns coming up with Matt and the crew. Top of the hour here on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan Buffalo Wild Wings, Glendale, 62nd Street on a Bud Light Blue Monday with Buffalo Wild Wings. As always, thank you for joining us. And calls at 239-1070. Cameron's going to jump on board here. Cameron, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, JB. Uh, thanks for the call. Um, quickly, I just wanted to mention something else about the Pacers and specifically Miles Turner, and I don't care if anybody's tired of talking about him because I, I love his game. Um, so, obviously, the, the reports come out about him, you know, potentially turning down some offers from the Pacers. Yeah. But I don't think some people realize, and I think you had mentioned it on your show, you know, a couple months ago, it didn't matter what they offered him. At the end of the day, he had to be the one to say he wants to come back here and play. Um, and so whatever money, and I don't know how much, obviously the numbers aren't out there, but one, whatever, I would like to know what they offered him. And he's got to be thinking to myself, if you're going to go after DeAndre Ayton and give him, what, $200 million uh, for whatever that max deal was going to be, he has to be trying to pull some leverage. And I don't blame him for a guy who's been here for, for what eight seasons and I guess two would be um the past couple years I've kind of grown more and more to trust Kevin Pritchard um screw whatever Chris Ballard is doing I think he could take some notes from Kevin Pritchard I like to trust Kevin Pritchard if they do have to trade Miles Turner but you have to think Miles Turner his trade stock has got to be a lot better than what this was going to be before the season even started when they were thinking about getting rid of him right just because where the Pacers were supposed to be yeah, I think the problem you're going to have there is it, 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 uh, trade value is one thing, but what do you plan on getting in return? You know what I mean? I mean, what, what would be that plan there? I don't know how many teams uh, could absorb that and then absorb what is going to be a, a future longer-term contract with him. But if you're the Pacers, you also would want to get something of value in return, especially knowing that if, if that has to be the case, if a trade is made, that, you know, this really embraceable, loving, enjoyable season um, goes right down the tubes. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, he's been that essential defensively added much more offensively without him. This team is drastically different and the success will fade as we will see. So those are some things you all, I think, also have to consider. But you're right. You know, about wanting to get his right now. I don't blame him whatsoever wanting to get his. Yeah, I definitely agree. I know you've mentioned the term a layup line when he's out of the game. And I've been to a lot of games this year. And, you know, you talk about those statistics of guys just dribbling the ball in the lane, seeing him, and then immediately yeah. dribbling to the three-point line. Um, I appreciate your call. I guess if I could quickly say one more thing. Um, like yep. you said, if they have to get somebody in return, I hope it's somebody that can play at least 75% of the defense of uh, he can play. And you hope that you trade him to a team that's not looking like, you know, um, a team that sees him for what one year as a rental, you hopefully like you, you know, a team is going to obviously look into that. So um, that's the team to cheer for right now in Indy. I love watching them play. I appreciate JMV. And I think miles has been doing great this year, especially with Halliburton. Uh, no doubt about that camera too. And I, you know, I brought up the, the miles factor, a little bit earlier with, with Jake Query about recognizing also what he does have here. But there's no doubt that his value, his stock, if you will, is is on the rise. And he has had a fantastic season 
to date, and he's one of the big reasons why this team is is where it is. And you saw it again yesterday. And you know, consistency has been, I think, most who have been critical. And I mean, I'll say in terms of your critiquing of his game in reality. I mean, some are are just going to be a-holes about it and not consider anything. But, you know, in terms of looking in the past of his consistency, that's always been a, a subject in which I've been willing to listen to and talk about. But that has not been the issue. I mean, are you going to have a clunker? Sure. Is somebody going to outplay you? Absolutely. But he has been the most consistent this season than he has been in a Pacer uniform. And to get back to Cameron's point, when he is on the floor, it's not even so much that he blocks a shot, but just having that thought in mind will persuade somebody trying to drive to rethink things. Or when they take that shot, that'll be on their mind. That is a big deal. You know, I talked about this specifically to that Cleveland game. I mean, Jared Allen may go up over you and score. You know, maybe Mobley goes up over you and scores. Somebody's probably going to score over you. You know, somebody's going to get a, an offensive putback against you. But there is a drastic difference between when he is in the game defensively and that thought process of how other teams attack the rim compared to when he's out. It is night and day. And that has defensively been essential for this basketball team. Let's take a quick break. Come back for a final time. Buffalo Wild Wings in Glendale, 62nd Street. We do have some stuff to give away. We'll do that. Get you set for the national championship game. That's TCU in Georgia on this national champion Monday night. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I got nowhere else to go! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. First and 10, and here's an end around near side. The Colts have a big gain, 30-35. Here's the 40-yard line and a big-time run to Paris Campbell, and Paris took a wicked shot. He goes tumbling out of bounds and lands in front of the Colts' coolers on the near sideline, but an end around run and a big-time gain by Paris Campbell. They're going to say he's out of bounds around the 43-yard line. Hey, welcome back. Live at Buffalo Wild Wings. I got to thank everybody this year. Our friends from Bud Light and Zinc who've been with us all on the way as they always are on Mondays and on Fridays. Thank you so much. And, you know, all the crew at Buffalo Wild Wings for being a part of this as well. This has been great. I, I mentioned to the guys at Zinc on Friday, our Bud Light Brew Fridays have been great and they've been great for a long time. But we reestablished this Monday thing for Blue Monday and it has worked out fantastically. It is always great to come out and see all of you at a Buffalo Wild Wings location. As I mentioned, the Glendale one is awesome. Just a great area where we are off of 62nd Street. And not to mention some of the ones that are a little bit further out, like Lebanon and Greenfield and Shelbyville and Columbus last week down in Bloomington. Uh, obviously, the Carmel crowd was fantastic. But man, you guys have supported this so much. And I love coming out. I love coming out and being with you. And I appreciate that. And we will do this again because I've absolutely loved it. And 
we'll continue to move forward. Now, by the way, too, you can catch us out again. That's coming up on Thursday. Pearl Street up off of Olio, Fisher's Geist area. We're going to be up there for our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots for the postseason. The wild card round with betting analyst Brent Halverson. That is coming up on Thursday. Again, Pearl Street, not the downtown location, but the location up around Olio and Geist and Fishers. That is coming up on Thursday with our betting analyst, Brent Halverson, and I have not asked him yet because we know this Brent Halverson is a big Packer fan, and he actually went to the game at Lambeau last night, and that did not end well for him whatsoever. So, Cam, my engineer and I were talking about that a little bit earlier about how that did not go well for Brent whatsoever or any of those Packer fans out there in the way that their season came to a conclusion. National championship game tonight, that is Georgia and TCU. Does that kick officially at 7.30, or is that a neighborhood type of kick situation, whatever? But the uh, college football finale, the national title game, TCU and Georgia, that is coming up later on tonight. As I mentioned, too, and I know that Cameron called us a moment ago, we were talking about the Pacers. Next up for the Pacers, that is on Wednesday night, the Pacers at Madison Square Garden versus the New York Knicks. And we'll see how things are going with a team that a lot of people did not expect a great deal from this year that certainly has shattered all those expectations. So hopefully they continue moving forward and uh, we'll see some of those decisions and especially the one regarding Miles Turner. Miles Turner was absolutely fantastic and especially late in that game on both ends and closing out the Hornets in the fashion in which they did yesterday. So now, fun times, fun times for the Pacers and decisions for the Colts. A little bit of insight, I guess, coming at you tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. And again, the live stream evidently is on Colts.com coming up tomorrow. Colts general manager Chris Ballard will meet with the media. Again, that is 10.30 coming up tomorrow morning. And we will have a full recap of what that entails And there is a lot, as we talked to Stephen Holder about a little bit earlier, a lot of questions to ask because he has not talked to anybody around here since Jeff Saturday was brought on on an interim basis. And it looked and certainly most took the thought that he was not at all thrilled or maybe better said he was it was not his idea to bring on board Jeff Saturday. That was that of the owner. And hopefully we'll find out a little bit more about that. And uh, we'll see exactly how they plan on moving forward, in particular moving forward with the head coach in mind. A wide net will be cast is how that was described a little bit earlier today. You know where I stand. I'll have more of that for you coming up on tomorrow's show as well. So thank you guys for joining us. I know everybody's disappointed in the cold season. But we'll have a lot to talk about in the offseason. Hey, guys, thank you very much for joining us. I'm going to see everybody again coming up on Thursday. Thank you for showing up at the Buffalo Wild Wings location here. A great spot. It is in Glendale. Cam, the on-site engineer, a fantastic job. you got Brittany. you got Zach here with us as well. Back at the studio, James has been outstanding too. Jake Query a little bit earlier as well as Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Podcast 1075thefan.com. Coming up next, it is Colts round. Table Live to close out the 2022 season. Matt Taylor will lead 
That is up next. Have a great night. Enjoy the national title game. Back with you tomorrow in studio at 3 on The Fan.